How many know holidays are a great time? I mean, Thanksgiving's the only time where you get celebrated for eating too much. It's awesome. It's amazing. You get even celebrated for taking a nap. It's awesome. It's a great time as we move into the holiday season. A lot of us come excited for all that is going to happen in the Christmas holidays. Our family loves Christmas and traveling around to Lake Charles and looking at Christmas lights and having the parties and all the things. But oftentimes the holidays can also be a very difficult time for people, especially those who battle depression. I don't know if you know this, people who battle depression, Christmas is the worst time of the year for them. For those who had lost loved ones this year, uh, Christmas will probably be even more of a difficult time. And so we know that Christmas can come with great joys and it can also come with great lows. And so we want to put together a series that really is going to help us navigate how do we go through hard times during the Christmas season and, and how do we have the greatest Christmas ever. How many of you will be traveling this Christmas? Who's traveling this Christmas? Anybody traveling anywhere? Yeah. Uh, how many know traveling during the holidays can be absolutely craziness? Uh, this past Sunday, after I got done preaching the three services, Lindsay, myself, and Joel drove to Lafayette, jumped on a plane, and flew to Colorado for two days. My son had a doctor's appointment there, which by the way, he's doing great. Doctors are loving him, loving what they're seeing. Thank you for your prayers. Excited for that. It was a quick trip. And I was really excited about this trip uh, for a couple of reasons. One, to get to Colorado. It's beautiful there. Uh, Beautiful weather. Also, uh, was because it was only two days. I didn't have to pack that much. Who in here are overpackers? You're overpackers. Like it's a four-day trip. You're packing for 40. You know? It's just how it is. How many know? Lindsay's the exact same way. I'm like, are we bringing that? How many chairs, changes of clothes are you bringing? What, what do we got going on? Now, she did pretty good on this trip. This trip was a really short trip. It was, it was, um, it was just us two, I mean, us three. And uh, one of the things that I, I found out coming back from um, Colorado, when I got to the Colorado, we, Lindsay and I have kind of a, a plan. We got, how many know you got to have a plan when you travel? If you don't, you're screaming at each other. You got to have a plan. You're screaming at each other anyways, but you got to have a plan no matter what. Our plan is we get the rental car, I, I, I drive up to the Denver airport, I'll drop her and Joel off, they get the baggage, they take it off, they go start getting their tickets, I take the, uh, take the rental car back to the rental place, and then I take the shuttle back, and so we did all that, Lindsay and Joel got on, They're, you know, we're calling each other, she's like, I'm through TSA, I'm good, and so I'm like, okay, so I, I came back through, and w- what I didn't realize until I got there was that one of the things that, the, I got a cheap flight ticket, and one of the reasons I got a really cheap flight ticket was because there was no carry-ons allowed on my ticket. Well, Lindsay left me with a, with a carry-on. And so I go to the ticket agent and I see the, the little thing lights up when I, when I do mine because they need an agent to come and check to make sure that you don't have a carry-on. Well, I had a carry-on. So I decided that I would do, you know, the godly thing and I snuck it around a sign to try to hide it. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul. You know, I just got, I had to... I had to put it out there. And so, so the ticket agent I thought was going to come from the left side. She came from the right side around the sign and she pulls my luggage around it. She says, is this yours, sir? Yes, it is mine. And so she says, you know, your ticket does not allow a carry on. I said, yes, ma'am. I do know that. My wife, she's allowed to carry on. She's ahead of me. And she was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, I promise you, I dropped her off. I, you know, I had the car, I dropped her off and everything. And she said, don't, don't be lying to me. She said, this should be, I should charge you $55 right now. I said, ma'am, I'm a pastor. I don't lie. I don't. Which, as soon as I said pastor, it didn't even do anything to her. She was like, that's the people who lie the worst. And so, 
And she said this. This is what she said. She said, I'll let you pass now, but they'll get you at the gate if you're lying to me. I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. And I took off, came up to Lindsay. I said, do not leave that bag with me again. I've gotten flagged so many times. But there's something that's so exciting about when you're traveling. You know, I, I usually always will travel with, with my backpack. I have my, my laptop in it and all um, the stuff, my books and stuff that I love reading. And I love traveling with, with this. Um, I'm always traveling with this. I hate, anybody hate traveling with a lot of luggage, like a ton of luggage? How many know how hard it is to travel when you have a ton of luggage? I mean, it is the most difficult thing. Not only is it you lugging around all your children's, you're also lugging around all of these things. I mean, everything starts happening. You start piling up. Anybody been there before where you're like, it's like home alone? Y'all been there? And everybody's got, everybody's got bags and you're going through. And, and, and on top of this, we have, Joel's got oxygen. So we had an oxygen tank we were dragging along with us. And so we're, we're going everywhere we go. And, and I don't know if these airlines can make up their minds, but how many know every airline is different when it comes to bags? One's like, yeah, bags fly free. The other one's like, bags fly $97 a bag. Can they make up their mind on the bags? Needless to say, when you carry around a lot of bags traveling, it makes it extremely cumbersome, extremely difficult, extremely stressful, extremely costly. And the exact same thing that happens in traveling, that it makes all those things happen in our life, how many of you know it's the same in life? When you travel with bags, it's heavy, it's costly, it's stressful. And this holiday season, as we go into this Christmas season, some of you, this is what it looks like if we were to look at your life through a spiritual lens. You are carrying around a ton of bags, a ton of bags. And I can do this for a while. And most of us, here's the thing, most of us get used to carrying around a lot of baggage. We're just used to it. It's normal for us. We're used to carrying this much weight around. We figure it out. We figure out how to carry it different ways. But what if I told you that there is a way that you can drop the weight and travel light? Anybody want to travel light in this life? We're going to drop some weight today. So today I want to share with you a story of a man because I know as we go into the Christmas holiday season, you're going to see some people that you really don't want to see. And you're going to have some issues with them. Y'all got some baggage. You got the baggage of guilt and hurt and you got the baggage of resentment and you got the baggage of... All the things that have happened in your life based off of people. And I, I want us in this Christmas season to travel into Christmas lightly. Where we're not carrying the stress and the cost and the weight and the pressure of all of this relational baggage. There's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph. Many of us know Joseph's story. Joseph was one who by all means had relational baggage. He was his favorite by his father, but he was not his favorite by his brother's. And rightfully so, Joseph was had a dream. God gave him a dream that one day he would be in charge. His brothers would work for him. Joseph thought it would be smart to tell his brothers, you're going to work for me one day. How many know that didn't go over too well? Sure enough, these guys not only had a jealousy of their brother, they had a pure hatred for their brother. And they began from that moment to conceive ways that they could kill their brother. Come on, how many know that's some family drama right there? That one brother, thankfully, was gracious enough to say, let's not kill him, let's just sell him. So they end up selling him into the Midianite slavery. The Midianites bring him into Egypt. He gets sold into the Egyptian uh, family and uh, ends up working for Pharaoh's house. He's there. God's got favor on him. God's doing great things through him. How many know, even when people want to push you down, if you've got favor of God, you go in places. So Joseph still is going places. The problem is, though, he's a handsome man. 
He's a good, lean, cut Hebrew meat. And that... (laughs) Pharaoh's wife likes lean, cut Hebrew meat. And she starts dashing her little eyes on her and wearing her little stuff that she wants to wear to get him to do things with her. And he says, no, 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 I'm a man of God. I ain't doing that. And we know he runs. He's not into the cougar scene. And uh, he runs, he runs, he runs. She rips off his coat, accuses him of doing something to her that he did not do, gets falsely accused of that, gets thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Spends a number of years in prisons, has a, 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 uh, starts gain, gaining favor. Yet again, God's favor was on him, gaining favor in the prison. God elevated him. He was one of the guys in charge in prison, even though he was an inmate. And God there begins to give him favor. He meets two guys, a baker and a butler, interprets their dreams, says, hey, guys, when you get out, remember your boy. Next verse, two years later, they remember, oh, there was this guy. Two years. Promises unkept. He goes on, and eventually we know that God elevates him. And in one moment, he goes from convict to second in charge because he interprets a dream. And he is now second in charge. God has brought him to this point, And we see that God has put him in this incredible role. And I want to show you this verse. Look what this verse says. If you got your notes, you can follow along with us. It says, Joseph couldn't stand it any longer. There were many people in the room. Now, this is the very first moment that Joseph meets his brothers face to face. The guys who wanted to kill him. The guys who sold him. The guys who hated him. He's got a moment where he comes into contact with these guys. They're coming for food. And he's second in charge, and he says to all of the attendants, all, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers, and when he had told them who he was. Now watch the next verse. And it says this, then he broke down and wept. I want you to think about this moment. The moment, from the moment he had the dream to this moment is 22 years. 22 years have passed. 22 years of him not seeing his brothers, not seeing his family. And here we are, 22 years later, think about all the emotions. Think about all the things he's thought about. Think about all the things that he's thinking. When that day comes and I see my brothers, and it says he weeps so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And the word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace, I am Joseph. And he said to his brothers, the next verse says this, is my father still alive? He wants to know, how's dad? How's dad doing? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was actually standing in front of them. So today I want to share with you three biblical choices we have to make when it comes to traveling light with people who have hurt us. Because you've been hurt and I've been hurt and we've all been hurt. We can all share our hurts and share our wounds of how people have hurt us. But I want to give you three biblical choices that you're going to have to make. If you want to travel light and get through the holidays, the cloudiness of this holiday, and you want to be able to travel through your holiday and have joy and peace, there's three choices you've got to make. And I want you to hear me closely. I said they're choices. They're not feelings. See, because choices lead and feelings follow. Oftentimes, how many of you know, you don't feel like loving anybody that has hurt you. Can we be honest in this place? And so I, I, I want to I make a declaration today that we're going to make some choices today. Because you can't control what other people think or say about you, but you do have 100% control on how you respond to people. And this Christmas, you have an opportunity to determine how you're going to choose to respond to the people that you really don't want to be at Christmas with. Maybe it's a, a loved one. Maybe it's a friend. So let me give you these three choices that we've got to make. Number one, you've got to choose to pray. You've got to choose to pray. 
The greatest example of this all time, of course, is Jesus. Jesus, at his birth, was being sought to be killed by King Herod in his own hometown, the people in his own hometown, the guys that he played wreck ball with, the guys that he grew up with, the guys he went to primary school with, tried pushing him off of a cliff because they were jealous and hated him. Also, the people that he loved and served when it came near to the time of him giving his life that they said, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. The people that he had loved and served. And then at the end of it all, one guy out of the 12 guys that he poured his life into for three years, one guy disowned him, betrayed him. Ten guys left him and only one guy was at the cross. Now think about this. In your deepest, darkest, most hurt, most vulnerable moment, when you need the people that love you the most, one guy is there. One. And so if there's anybody that can tell us what it's like, what do you do when you've been hurt by people? How many know Jesus qualifies? Not only was he getting hurt emotionally, he was also getting hurt physically, we know. And here he is hanging on the cross and watch what he does in Luke chapter 23. He says, Jesus, Jesus says, Father, what? Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now think about this. As his body is being physically hurt, he is praying for them. You've got a choice to make in this holiday that even maybe while there are people that are still hurting you that have not maybe asked for forgiveness, these people didn't say, sorry, Jesus, sorry, we put you on the cross. No, they're in the act of crucifying him. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's praying for them. Now, why would I be praying for them? Well, Luke chapter uh, six says this, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, what does it say? Love your enemies. Do good to those who, ha- who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And what? What's the last part? Pray. pray. Pray for those. Pray for those who hurt you. Well, why should I pray? Here's why you should pray. Ready? You need to pray because your prayers may not change them, but they will always change you. Your prayers, they may not change the person who's hurt you, but I promise you they will change you. And you go, why should I pray? Well, because of this, because God wants to change you. Well, what, what do I pray? I pray they get hemorrhoids. What do I pray? You know what I pray? Pray that, you know, come on, somebody. Let's not be spiritual here. You know you prayed some stuff like this. They told you, man, I lost my job. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right? The people who have hurt us, we, we love to see them getting hurt. But no, this is what we should pray. We should pray that God, would you heal their hurt? God, would you heal their hurt? Because we all know this, and for everybody who went to freedom this weekend, you probably heard this a number of times, and that is that hurt people, people. yeah, you know it. And the only reason someone hurts you is because they're hurt themselves. And so what do we pray for? God, heal their hurt. When someone hurts you, you pray for them. When someone abuses you, you pray for them. Pastor Josh, you have no clue what they did to me. I don't, but I know what they did to Jesus, and I know what he did. And I know what, what he modeled is meant for us. And I know no one's been sinned against more than Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. And here's why we pray. Because it's very hard to hold a grudge against someone you're praying for. I'll say that again. It's very hard to hold a grudge against someone you're praying for. Number two, we got to choose to bless. Romans 12, verse 19 says, beloved. I love that. Beloved. Sounds good. Beloved. I mean, you feel like whatever is going to come next is going to be awesome. Beloved. And then he says this. Don't be obsessed with taking revenge. Wait, what? Don't be what? Don't be obsessed with taking revenge. Now, I know nobody in here obsesses about taking revenge. That's not for y'all. That's for these people. 
that you think about it, you ponder about it, you're constantly consumed with the thoughts of what this person has done to you and what you can't wait to either do to them or someone does to them. He says, don't be obsessed about that. Watch what he says. Leave it into God's righteous judgment. For the scriptures say, this is what God says, vengeance is mine and I will repay. So God's saying, listen, someone's hurt you. I'm going to take care of that. I got that. Leave that to me. Let me show you what your part is now. You ready? You want to know what your part is for that husband who hurt you, that ex-wife who hurt you, that friend who hurt you, that boss who hurt you? Here's your part. Ready? The next verse says, if your enemy's hungry, buy him lunch. Come on, how many of you loving, loving the word right now? <laughs> I'll buy him something. Right? Watch. Win him over with? Kindness. Now watch this. For your, your surprising generosity... Meaning that in the world that we live in, when someone hurts you, someone says something about you, it gets back to you. You know, your crazy cousin comes up to you and says, do you know what they said about you? Okay, it wasn't supposed to come back to you, but it came back to you. And now you have an opportunity to cut that person off. That he says, you know what? No, no, no. You're going to buy them lunch. You're going to bless them. And and your surprising generosity, meaning that these people are not expecting that. They're expecting you to have the stank face every time you see them, right? They're expecting you to have the cold shoulder every time you see them at Thanksgiving or at Christmas. They're expecting, and so when you, when you win them over with kindness, it's a surprising generosity, and watch what it does. It awakens their conscience, and God will reward you with favor. In verse 21, it ends with this. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. And here's why, because repaying evil for evil doesn't overcome evil, it only continues it. Do y'all hear me? Like when you get on Facebook and you're like, whoa, you said that about me, let me show you what I say about you. You don't stop the evil, you continue it. And if we want to be a people that say, you know what, no, 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 we're going to fight for peace, we're going to fight for reconciliation, yeah, you hurt me, but the only reason you hurt me is because you're hurting. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to bless you. And then number, number, number three is I'm going to forgive you. We've we got to choose to forgive. Now, come on, how many of you believe that this is the hardest one? Why is this so important? Why is forgiveness so important? Now, for those that are at freedom, hopefully you've got forgiveness dealt with by this weekend. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're hopefully praying for those that are in this room that maybe haven't experienced that. But here's why freedom, I mean, forgiveness is so important. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against who? Sin against you. So if you forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Meaning that if you come in here and say, God, man, please forgive me of something. And you know, in the back of your mind, there's something that you're holding against somebody else. God says, not until you take care of that. How many in here went to college? Who went to college in here? All the college people. Yeah. If you went to college, you know something, uh, about different courses, that there are courses that you take, depending on what your major and minor is, some of them are major courses that you have to take. They are required courses you have to take. Then there are what they call electives. Electives are courses you can take if you want to take them. They're just kind of extra. Listen to me closely. In Christianity, forgiveness is not an elective course. It is required. It is mandated. You have to take the forgiveness course in Christianity. You don't get past it. <laughs> 
It's not an elective course. I'm going to decide if I want to forgive them. No, 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 no. No, 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 listen. The only people who get to heaven are forgiven people. You've got to take that course. And the only way you can get forgiven is if you extend forgiveness to those that are around you. This is what Jesus would say. Now you may say, well, Pastor Josh, okay, all right, all right, I got, I got it. I'll forgive them once. <laughs> well, listen to me very closely. That might be the case. They even said that to Jesus. Look at what Jesus' response is. They even went a little bit above it. Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often, how many times do I need to forgive someone who sinned against me? And Peter thought he was like super like religious. Seven You feel good about that one? Seven times? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, not seven times, but 70 times seven. How many know that just burst his bubble? What? Yeah, because the amount of times someone's forgiven you might be the amount of times you need, uh, someone's hurt you, might be the amount of times you need to keep forgiving. You might need to wake up every day and go, God, I just forgive. God, I forgive. God, I forgive. Pastor Josh, you don't know what they did. I don't, but I know what they did to Jesus. I know what they did to Jesus. I know God is calling us to do this. Colossians chapter three, watch this. Come on, I'm just letting God's word do the work today. Look what his word, look, look what his word says. Make allowance. Now watch this. We're gonna make an allowance for each other's faults. You know what the Bible is assuming? that you got some faults. Now, I know they don't know you. You don't know you as well as you think you do, but that you got some faults. And he says, listen, if you want to follow me, you want to be people who love God, you better make an allowance for other people's faults. And then he's going to take it another step further. And then he say, on top of that, when they do have a fault and you do have a falling out and there is a hurt, forgive who? Say it again. You know in the Greek what that means? Anyone. (laughs) Everyone. Everybody. The ones who like come groveling to me, I'm so sorry. No. Even the ones who don't say they're sorry. Even the ones who would flick you off right now. Even the ones who would curse you in your face right now. God says, no, no, no. You forgive those two. Anyone who offends you. And remember, here we go. Here's the power. The Lord forgave you. So you got to forgive others. You got to forgive others. You got to forgive others. We're carrying. We're carrying the weights. Holding on. Man, I can't believe what she said about me. Can you believe? I can't believe he did this. My dad abandoned me. My mom left me. Nobody wants me. My boss don't appreciate me. My wife, she's all, and you're just holding it. You're holding it and you're holding it and you're holding it. And you're walking around in life carrying all these things. And these things are heavy. And the thing is, you get used to it. You just start wearing, and you think it's normal. And you don't realize that God has called you to drop the bags, to travel light, light. I can go faster, farther, with more joy. It won't cost me as much when I let go of the bags. And God cannot let go what he has for you as long as you hold on to the things he's wanting you to let go of. We got to let it go. We got to let it go. Now, how does this work? How does this work for Joseph? I want to show you as we end today. Watch what Joseph does. Now, I want you to think about this with Joseph. 
Joseph, betrayed by the closest people ever, his brothers. Here's a question. Can you be betrayed by the people who love you the most and not hold on to bitterness? Not only is he betrayed by the people closest to, much, uh, closest to him, but secondly, on top of that, he is accused by someone of doing something he did not do and he can't defend himself. He couldn't tweet or post or open his mouth or say, no, 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 it's not me. He couldn't do any of that. He had to trust that God would defend him. And then on top of that, he gets into prison and he's got a promise that is unkept for two years. Yeah, we'll remember you. I don't know about you, but for most Christians nowadays, if they were just abused by people or hurt by the people that love them the most, that would have taken them out of the faith. But he went on and not only had that, he was also falsely accused. He was also falsely put in prison and he was also had promises unkept to him. And yet I want you to see how he responds to his brothers when he retells the story of what happened to him. Watch this. Genesis chapter 45. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourself, guys. You, you, you think for you were selling me to this palace, but what? watch, watch. It was what? It was God who sent me. Now watch. God sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. In the next verse, it says, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last forevermore. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Next verse says, God has sent me. He sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive, to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not, not you. Watch the next verse. And he's the one. God's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh. I'm the manager of this entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. In verse 14, it says, and so with weeping and with joy, he embraced Benjamin. That's the brother who wasn't a part of all this. He was born after. He embraced him, but watch this. It doesn't end there. And then Joseph, and this is how you know you've forgiven. Joseph kisses each of his brothers and he weeps over them. And after that, they begin talking freely with him. Ready? Listen to me closely. The way you know you have been forgiven and that you have forgiven those who have hurt you is you take their name out and you put God's name in. Notice he didn't say, you sent me here and you hurt me and you tried to kill me. And that cougar woman, she put me in that prison. Notice he's not blaming it. There's no names. The only name that he mentions is God sent me here. God let me here. God let me stay here. God promoted me to the manager. You think it was you. It was never you. God was doing something in this mix. And even though you meant to hurt me, God used it for good. God is always never waste pain. God is always working on our behalf. And you know, you know you've got forgiveness in your heart when you can take the names and the faces out of it and say, God, you were there in the midst. Did it hurt? Yes, it did. But God, you were there. God, you're going to use this. And so many of you, I know your stories. And your story is, yes, someone hurt you. And yes, it was wrong. And God weeps over that. But he also uses that. And it's now a part of your story. And because he didn't allow himself to get bitter, but get better, God put him in second in charge. And he 
saved the entire children of Israel because he would not hold unforgiveness to his family. This Christmas holiday, you have the most amazing opportunity. There's been rifts in your family. There's certain people that won't even talk to certain people. And God has put you in this moment for such a time as this. To say, you know what? God's loved me. I was a sinner. God, I forgive you. I forgive you what you've done to me. Maybe it's something you need to say to a spouse. Maybe it's something you need to say to one of your kids. Maybe it's something you need to say to a friend. But I want you to hear me closely. You are never more like Jesus than when you are praying, blessing, and forgiving those who have hurt you. Because that's what Jesus did. In this moment, would you bow your heads? If you're here in this place and you know, man, I've got some unforgiveness. I know it. If that's you, nobody look around. Just shoot your hand up. That's me. I got it. That's me. That's me. That's me. God's speaking to me right now. Right now. I don't want to go into the Christmas holiday holding on to this. Traveling light. Traveling light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. The greatest area we need to travel light in, though, is is our relationship with God. It's our relationship with God. God today is wanting to heal Men, you can't forgive until you first receive forgiveness. It's as simple as ABC. The Bible says if, one, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you want to see the kingdom of heaven, a man must be born again. A woman must be born again. It's as simple as A, we admit that we're sinners. We admit that we've sinned. That God has taken our guilt, our shame. We believe, we be, believe that he came on the cross And he died, not for our sin, but for your sin. We personalize this for for my pride, for my shame, for my guilt. He, He took that on his body. He rose again and he comes and he gives us life. And if we will confess that he is Lord and Savior of our lives, he'll come, give you a new heart, new desires. If you're here in this room, you've never prayed to be born again. You want God to make you a new creation today. It begins here time to let God wipe the slate clean. Let's travel light today. If that's you, boldly shoot your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, all across this room. Come on, all across this room. One, two. Come on, hold it up high. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on, nine, ten. You can put your hands down together. Come on, let's pray this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, today, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I give my life fully to you. Thank you for sending Jesus, taking my shame, my guilt, and my sins. You died for it. You rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a relationship with your Father, and a place in heaven. Today I give you all my life. I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.